0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is John here, host of the Around the Ropes podcast right here on the ATI Network. The podcast you're about to listen to was actually done May of last year on our old network called the SLG Network, in which myself and several other members of the crew at the time interviewed former WB superstar Lanny Poffo. This podcast is in remembrance of him. Everybody here at the Around the Ropes podcast and the ATI Network sends our regards to Lanny Poffo and his family. Also, I want to thank Nick f- from the SLG Network for allowing me to use this audio. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Spending money like it's nothing. I don't have a budget. Please don't get offended when you see the kids starting. Got my crew with cream. me, but it ain't I'm riding solo, while dependent bitches cuffing. I got all I need, me myself, and I just love it. I've been gone, riches stacking to the ceiling, I'm dick long, Can never change a side I've been on in a hundred years, i am still be with my day ones, when it's said it and done, fuck where I'm going, it's all about where I came from, you, you, don't, don't no.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special YouTube exclusive from the Around the Ropes podcast. While we sit down with WWF slash G legend, Lanny Poppo, a man that was a part of my childhood, as well as many of yours, known for throwing frisbees to children in the audience, and later regaling us with his pre-match promos full of his self-satisfied, egocentric poetry as the genius, he was crucial in some of the most indelible moments in my formative years of professional wrestling, Mr. Lanny Poppo. Mr. Lenny Paco how are you doing
2: today, sir? Well, I'm 67 years old, and not being a genius, I was eating blueberries, so look at my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at these blueberries here. Ah, very nice. Those You're not really supposed fantastic. to eat blueberries before you go on the air. So I don't think I'm much of a genius today, but I thought it was early I'd have time to brush and floss. <laughs> and use my water pick.
1: That's okay. We all have uh we all have mental mistakes. It is perfectly fine. At and least I don't
2: chew have... tobacco. <laughs>
1: this is very true. <laughs> no tobacco chewing here. So uh Mr. Paffo, for those of those that are watching, uh why don't you tell us a little bit about your past and your present?
2: <clears throat> I've got a perfect record 10 arrests no convictions a perfect record <laughs> it's a joke okay <laughs> yeah you can laugh if you like you can laugh at the genius you can make fun okay but uh i was the uh third best wrestler in our family uh, macho man was number one my father number two good thing my mother didn't wrestle otherwise i would be number four So I was, um, and, uh, I had a 21 year career, eight years in the WWE. Uh,
1: that is fantastic. Um, what age did you start, uh, training to wrestle?
2: I started training at 16 and I had my first match when I was 18
1: and were you were you nervous? I I understand that it was something that your father had had done, and something that your older brother had done, but you specifically, how did, how was that for
2: you? Well, I was nervous, of course, but I uh, didn't want to be a welfare recipient in my life, so I had the opportunity. I was in Aurora, Illinois, and I wrestled my father, and uh, he made me look good. It's like dancing. You know, like uh, salsa, salsa merengue, cha-cha. If you got a good partner, you think you're a good dancer. But then you, when you get a bad partner, it's the blind leading the blind.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, John, did you uh,
0: have a question or two? Uh, yes, Mr. Paffo. Obviously, wrestling runs in your family, as, as a lot of wrestling fans know. Did you want to get into wrestling? And if so, was it because of your older brother or your dad?
2: Well, I, I wanted to get into wrestling, but I would have rather married Elizabeth Montgomery and bewitched. And then, you know, that she could just zap you a beautiful house and everything. But the only thing is, don't make, don't uh, get endoramatic you, She'll turn you into a toad. But, you know, <laughs> when you want to, um, I I appreciated my career. And uh, looking back, I wouldn't have done much differently. Um but um, I just didn't want to hang on too long. You know, it's, like, really sad when you see, uh, like, a, not that I go to strip clubs, but if you, you ever see a stripper that hung on too long, and she's, you know, she's, like, well past her prime, and now she only works on Tuesday afternoon, you know, when there's nobody in there. And uh, it's a sad thing when a wrestler hangs on too long.
0: Well, what are your earliest memories of pro wrestling?
2: Wow. Uh, I just got in the ring, tried to do my best, and sometimes my best wasn't good enough. But there was always constructive criticism um, from my father, from a friend of mine, Paul Christie. Uh, Where is this – where are you guys from? I'm from New York.
1: Uh, Massachusetts.
2: And I'm from Toronto, Canada where Toronto Canada Toronto Canada yes sir you sound like a smoker no I just a deep voice sir yes you have a deep <laughs> voice yeah. so anyway um I wrestled in Toronto I wrestled in Boston Garden and I wrestled in Madison Square Garden so uh, oddly enough I had two main events in all three towns yeah um, that was when I was the genius and doing my uh, four-month stint with Hulk Hogan. Now it's it's less main events than Bruno Sammartino had in New York, but I was proud.
0: You bring up the fact that you worked Toronto, you worked in New York, and you worked in Boston. Did you notice a difference in the crowds when you went to all these different towns?
2: Uh, Toronto was more polite. eh? <laughs> And Boston was really rude, and they threw things. And uh, Madison sounds Square Garden. Right. What's that?
1: I said that sounds about right. Yeah.
2: Yes, and uh, so um, that sounds about right. Yes. Um, I would like to apologize. Last week I was supposed to be on your show, and I just see I'm living in Ecuador now, and things got crazy. And uh, my father, if he knew that I had agreed to do something, gave my word, and then double-crossed you, uh, he would be, but he's no longer living. But I still feel like apologizing to all three of you. Um, I should have been on the show last week. And uh, I gave my word. And, um, and then I had, I was out in the middle of nothing with no Wi-Fi, as we say. No Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> We call it wi here, but it's Wi-Fi.
1: So uh, we appreciate that. And there was no apology needed, uh, but much appreciated.
2: Well, if uh, I say I'm going to do something and I don't do it, then my father spins in his grave. So I think I, sh- I owe an apology. Well, thank you. Thank you.
1: Um, so moments ago, you said that you were living in Ecuador. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big change. Uh, any reason, any specific reason?
2: About eight years ago, there's this guy named Sebastian Fierro, and he wanted to know if I would come to Quito, Ecuador, and do a seminar for the wrestlers that he has in his school, and he had a promotion. And I didn't expect to fall in love with the place, but I did. But then um, I was taking care of my mother. She was, uh, she she lived six years after Randy died. And I actually sold my house, moved in with her and took care of her because she became, well, I hate to say it, a basket case. And not because she lost the star Randy, Randy Monster Man Savage, but she lost her first born, you know, because we all remember Randy before he was a star. So um, anyway, she just... The poor woman just lost it. Life is cruel when you lose your firstborn. So I just decided to show a little kindness. And uh, I tried to keep her satisfied with um, her shopping list and anything she needed. And then when I had friends come in, I always made sure that she got to have some company too. And I said, would you, would you mind meeting my mother? You know, And then you know just to keep her bolstered up. But... She, um, my father was lucky. He died one year before my brother. And uh, he died in uh, March 4th of 2010. Um, And then my brother died the following year. And uh, that was too much for her. She just, that was a 61-year marriage. She broke her heart. And then her firstborn. And, uh, you know, she's very, very, very Jewish. So uh, I've got some Jewish jokes later, if you want, because I'm the only guy as a Jew, as a Jewish son of a Jewish mother, I can tell Jewish jokes and Italian jokes. I even did the 23andMe. So I learned a lot from that. I learned it was a waste of $100.
1: (laughs) 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 Told you everything you already knew, didn't it?
2: Well, here's the thing. I'm 51% Ashkenazi Jew and only 38% Northern Italian. And then the rest is chop suey, which proves that my ancestors were horrors. <laughs> I,
1: I think that goes along with everybody's uh, uh, ancestry. Yeah, there's, there's a small there's a small section that in the fine print it may state that. Yeah. But getting back to the uh, getting back to the matter at hand, um. What are your, from being in the business as long as you were and being around the business all of your life, what were some of your uh, favorite moments uh, in wrestling history?
2: Okay, I'm going to give you two favorite moments. The first, the first one is when I, I made the, my brother the Macho King and they, they let me read a poem. And they were gonna give that award to Lord Alfred Hayes because he has the English accent. But it was Gorilla Monsoon who suggested, why don't we let Lanny do it? Let him write a poem. You know, he just I just been given the gimmick as the genius. So I just went out there and I said, behold this humble entourage, their heads are bowed in reverence at the very slightest whisper of one name, exalting in his presence, which is altogether fitting, of the people and the lands from whence he came. False monarchies are commonplaces; kingdoms rise and fall, but I, the genius full of glory and renown, say the macho man is everything that everybody everywhere would ever, ever want to wear a crown. I say this king deserves a queen beside him on the throne, and Sherry is the fairest in the land. Nobody else is worthy of this monumental honor, the regal splendor of his royal hand. We witness the dethroning of one Jim the Hacksaw Duggan, whose crown and robe are in a state of ravage. I now remove my mortarboard and place it near my heart and thus proclaim you, Macho King, Randy Savage.
1: Wow. Wow. That
2: was the first great thrill of my career. That was the only time in the WWE I was in the same ring with the Macho Man. And number two was of course my match with Hulk Hogan on NBC. There's only one man smart enough to put Hulk Hogan down. That genius has a devastating plan. You're looking at the future World Wrestling Federation who appeals to the modern thinking fan. When I emerge victorious with gold around my waist, I shall be the most splendiferous of all. Don't tell me Hulk is six foot eight and I'm just six foot two. Between the ears, I'm over 10 feet tall. He wants to wrap his 24-inch pythons around my neck and give his famous, what you're going to do? By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, I'll rely on my incredible IQ.
1: That so, is amazing. Uh, and I remember watching both of those instances. Um, unfor- you said that... That was uh, Macho King's coronation was the first time that you and Randy were actually in the same ring together
2: in the WWE.
1: Yes. In the WWE at the time, WWF Um, with them doing a lot more uh, angles that focus on family. Now with the Creed brothers and the Usos, is there any explanation that they gave you or that you are aware of as to why they didn't uh, explore the family angle with you and Randy?
2: I never asked for an apology. Um, I just um, did what I was told, tried to be on time, Mm -hmm. uh, counted my money, and just was appreciative of whatever, even if I was, to uh, to use a farmer's expression, sucking hind tit on the sow. (laughs) Understood. But I, I hung in there, and I got four months of main events. Ask me if that was worth it. You know it was.
1: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh, You'd like be I said... a
2: journeyman for 21 years to have four months. Uh two appearances in Madison Square Garden, two main events in um in Boston Garden. And then of course, um Maple Leaf Garden.
1: Oh, uh I have um I have uh, another question and then I'll pass it on to, to Costa and then uh you know whoever else. Um, I remember specifically in the Leaping Lanny days, it was a Saturday night's, Saturday night's main event and I believe it was at the Joe Lewis Arena. It was a battle royal. Andre the Giant grabs you, spins you around, and headbutts you, tosses you over the ropes. This was my first introduction to Lanny Poffo. You then are on the outside of the ring and the camera cuts to you and you are just busted wide open. Was that an actual injury or was there some juicing going on?
2: Okay. Thank you for the question. I'm going to give you the honest answer. Nobody knew how I did it. Because... <clears throat> and when there's juicing going on, you see it. You know, I get a headbutt, I juice, they throw me over the top rope. And um, nobody saw that. So everybody wanted to know how I did it. And I never told anybody, ever. But I'm going to tell you guys, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, <clears throat> I wasn't even on the Battle Royal. I was on a dark match. That means you're not good enough for the Battle Royal. How's that? You know where the dark match is, don't you? Yes. yes, yes, yes. And then once again, Gorilla Monsoon, always looking out for me, always trying to help me, always just being, I love Gorilla Monsoon. If you knew him, you would love him too. Okay. And um, he says, Leaping Lanny, where are you? And I said, right here, and he grabs me by the wrist, and he brings me into the um, cleaning room, the shower, uh, the, where they keep the brooms and the chemicals, where they're yep. mopping up. And he says, I was just at a TV, I was on, uh, at a TV production meeting, and um, I recommended you for something, because I think you're the man for the job. Now you're not gonna make a monkey out of me, are you? And I said, I would never make a monkey out of a gorilla. What do you need? <laughs> and he says, Andre the Giant is going to wrestle Hulk Hogan in the Pontiac Soberdome. And he has been the number one baby face for the last 20 years or whatever, you know, his career has gone. He's always been a good guy. Right. And they put him with the best manager ever, Bobby the Brain Heenan. But they needed to get him as vicious, a vicious man, you know, and they needed a sacrificial lamb, and he thinks I could do it. So right away, I go from the dark match, and you know what a dark match is? That's when you practice your focus and practice your lighting. And when I was a boy, my dream was not to be on the dark match, okay? I said, boy, I hope I get to be a wrestler so I can uh, be used to test the lighting. You know, that's not what I wanted to do, okay? I had higher aspirations than that. So I um, I go out there and then Dick Ebersaw is the president of NBC Sports. He comes up to me and says, Lanny, we've never had blood on NBC. Bleed well for us, would you please? And I said, I'll do my best. And, oh, everybody come up, hello, pal, hello, how are you doing? You're going to do it for us, right? Yes, I'm going to do it for you. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask the three of you gentlemen, you seem to know a lot about wrestling, What would you? how would you handle it? What would you do? If all the pressure was on you, for NBC now keep in mind it's not live okay it's uh they're gonna shoot it and then they're going to do what they call post-person editing and maybe you guys are doing that too right yes okay so you know what it is so if any so if i would make a mistake you could edit the mistake and it would be fine yeah yeah yes that is so anyway what would you do if you were me? Any any volunteers?
0: Um, I would do it and make sure I did the best damn job I could do.
2: Okay, very good. That's what I decided. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. One take. Okay,
2: so take. what I did, I got a blade, and I taped it up so all four corners were exposed. Yeah. And I put it here in my mouth. In the between my cheek and gum so I can't swallow it. Okay. okay. Because I don't like when they tape their finger and they do that because, aha, you taped your finger. See what I mean? Right, right. See, I try to not expose. I'm exposing it now, but it's many, many years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I did, <clears throat> I knew that in post-production editing, they could fix any mistake I made. How's that? And I also knew that with all that talent in the ring, nobody would be looking at me. I mean, you only got two eyes. You can only look at one thing at a time. So I stood in the middle of the ring, got the blade out and I went boom. And And as soon as I knew I had enough, I put it back in my mouth and I walked over to Andre. And I said, ready boss? Ready boss. (laughs) <laughs> and he headbutts me, and I'm already bleeding. Okay. He headbutts me. And everybody said, Did he, was that a hard way? Did he hurt you? No, I couldn't even feel it. Couldn't wow. even feel it. He's a professional. Boom. And then he throws me over the top rope without pulling my hair. And I took a pretty good bump. Mm-hmm. And then I landed on my back, and the camera said, Oh, he's hurt. And nobody knew how I did it. But here's what I'm gonna tell you guys. I did it before the the headbutt. Okay. I wanted to make sure I had enough blood before I got the headbutt. Yeah. Because they wanted two things out of me: enough blood and don't expose the business. Okay. So I and of course by putting it back in my mouth, I made sure I didn't cut anybody else. Because, you know, if you got something on your finger, I could cut you just as easily. You know how it is. Right, right. And don't right. think for a minute it doesn't happen every time they try it. Now, I'm very glad to tell you that they don't do that anymore. Because HIV AIDS is very dangerous with blood. Okay? It's, uh, so, I didn't know this, you know, nobody knew it. This was before the AIDS problem. So, um, I don't know. I thought I did a good job. And the fact that you still remember it and asking about it now makes me feel pretty good.
1: Absolutely.
2: Unfortunately, when they announced the card at the, um, you know, at the Pontiac Silverdome, yours truly wasn't on it. I was not on it. And when I... um, I didn't get an extra bonus. You know, all I got is a hole in my head. And uh, I'm not like um, Captain Lou Albano that loves to do it. No, I hate to do it. Okay? It's not my thing, cutting. I'm not a cutter. But you understand, I was a little disappointed. But I just hung in there, and then two years later, I'm on Saturday night's main event against Hulk Hogan. I'd say I got the last laugh.
1: I I would absolutely say that you you did, because I even remember, I remember the angle with, uh, and I think we all remember the angle with Hulk Hogan. I I remember you and Mr. Perfect uh, smashing that uh, title belt on Saturday night's main event.
2: I'll tell you what, everybody talks about that one. And um, can I just say that um, what a thrill it was to be with two of the greatest talents in the wrestling world for that interview. And I'm talking about Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, and Mean Gene Okerlund. You couldn't get an announcer to do a better job. And he was always in the right place, always doing the right thing. And, um, no, I consider myself not the greatest manager ever, um, not while Bobby Heenan was alive. But let me just tell you about Bobby Heenan. I felt bad. Well, I was happy as hell that they made me the genius. But I went up to Bobby and I said, um, they're going to give me a break. I'm going to be the genius. But I'm a little worried about copyright infringement. You're, you are the brain. And that's a little close. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, Lanny, I'm so glad you're getting a break. I don't care about that. And he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you want advice, I'll give you some." And I said, yes, I want advice from the greatest of all time. Yes. I mean, okay, wouldn't you take advice from Bobby Heenan? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. I mean, if I claim to be the genius and I don't take advice from the brain, that's a pretty stupid genius. <laughs> so he he always, every time I did anything, he always I always came up to him. And he always had something first nice to say then a little bit of poison, and then another piece of white bread. Okay? So he made me a white bread sandwich with a little poison in there. The poison was what I could do better. But he always made me feel good. You're doing great. Here's a little something, and here's a little white bread to wash it down. You know, in other words, he didn't do it to criticize me or make me feel badly. But this is Bobby Heenan. Right. He was the man. Absolutely. And um, if you ask who's the greatest manager of them all, if they're old enough, they might say um, the Grand Wizard. Um, but uh, most people say Bobby Heenan. You know who the Grand Wizard was? You guys are young.
0: Uh, I've heard of the name. I've heard of the uh, name. Ernie 20. Roth.
2: Ernie Roth kind of was a pioneer in managing. Okay. But, uh, and he were the, you know, and he was, okay. You want a secret? He wasn't as good as Bobby Heenan. I don't like (laughs) to say that because they're both deceased. And in the 60s, um, he was the top manager in the business. But, you know, it's not the 60s anymore. It's not even the 80s anymore. Bobby (laughs) Heenan was the man. Go ahead, John. Well, actually, I was with Costa. Oh, yeah. So, I have a question to ask you, sir. Uh, so you're talking about being able to wrestle in in Toronto. You have a a favorite moment in like in, in that specific in that specific place, or you have a moment that stands out to you, or just elaborate on your time in this city. Um, my my best match in Toronto, my best moment in Toronto. Yep. Okay. Um, believe it or not, I made my debut in Toronto in 1974. I was wrestling for Eddie Farhat, who was known as the Sheik, the original Sheik, before you stupid, ma, Nicola. you know, you know who Eddie Farhat was, right? Yes. The Sheik, the original Sheik. Yes. To Talk yes. about a blade man. Oh, my God. Uh, those were the days, you know. So uh, I worked for him when I was uh, 20 years old in um, Ohio, and Michigan, and Ontario. And they would take a lot of talent from the Sheik and book it in Ontario. And uh, it was a thrill to wrestle at the age of 20 in Maple Leaf Garden. And then I came back. Uh, that was 1974. And I, I came back in 1985 so that's 11 years later right yeah yeah yes isn't that incredible though that I was a young guy and then I I came back and then uh, in 1989 I was on two main events in the Maple Leaf Garden wow yeah and um, I tell you what the career goes full circle you know and uh, now I'm I'll tell you what. Now I couldn't get arrested in Toronto. (laughs) Um, There was a very dear friend of mine, Joey Votto of the – do you know who he is? Yep. Yes. Cincinnati Reds. Reds. Yep. Yes. um, We did some special Olympics together. And um, let's see. In 2010, he's from Etobicoke. In 2010, he was the MVP of the National League, and I said to Joseph Daniel Votto, the reigning MVP, and just the third Canadian in baseball history, Larry Walker was the first, then came Justin Morneau, but now we've got an MVP who's from Etobicoke, um, drafted out of Drafted out, of, uh, R-C-I, um, drafted out of RCI. Drafted out of RCI. How's it go? Wait a minute. Don't interrupt. Okay, let me think. Drafted out of Brent's, uh, RCI. Um, and da 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 da. No, okay. Drafted out of RCI of Stephen Harper fame. Now they better make some room for Joey Votto's name. Okay, um, and it goes, congratulations, uh uh-oh, low battery. Okay, congratulations, Joey. Um, Congratulations, Joey Votto, da-da-da-da-da-da. Something where I ended up, I'm very proud of you. You know, I can't, I'm sorry, I didn't, uh, but it's been a, been a while. Yeah, all right. But you guys baseball fans? Yes, yes Absolutely. big time. Okay, who's from Massachusetts? That would be me. Okay, wave your hand. Okay, because I, you know, I'm on the iPhone here, it's kind of small. Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, this is the greatest poem of my life. You ready?
1: Absolutely
2: i'm not going to tell you what it's about but you're going to know in a minute (laughs) okay goes on through all of the magnificence that is joe robbie stadium the marlins and the dolphins happy home it gives me pride to introduce a man who was to baseball what romulus and remus were to rome take 95 until you hit the massachusetts turnpike Get off at Fenway Park and there you are. Where back in 1941, this man hit 406. And even now, Ted Williams has no power. America anticipated every turn at bat to watch him knock the ball to smithereens. 521 home runs are even more incredible because he gave five years to the Marines. The boys who wrote the sports page never did him any favors, but for Cooperstown, they had to tell the truth. That Theodore Samuel Williams brought a splendor to the game, reminiscent of the late George Herman Ruth. And then Ted Williams starts to cry, and he gives me a hug, and he says, if I'd have had you for a press agent, I'd have never had any problems. (laughs) But but, But the best okay, this is in Miami, and the best thing happened later. I see him at the airport. We're on the same flight. I said, Mr. Williams, do you have checked baggage. He says, yes, I said, if I can, if my father is there, can you introduce, can I introduce you to him? Because you were a hero of his. And he says, I would love to do that for your dad. And in those days, nobody had cell phones, maybe Motorola, you know, I, you know, but that was back before it became popular. Yeah. And uh, I am sorry to tell you guys, I don't have a picture to show you. It exists only in my memories. But it was was great to meet Ted Williams, but it was even better to introduce him to my father, who died in 2010, and Ted Williams died in July 5 of 2002. That's, that's incredible. It's a story. Huh? It's, it's absolutely you Mas- amazing. What do you think of Mr. Massachusetts? You like that one? I,
1: I love it. <laughs> I, that is by far my favorite story.
2: Yeah, it's a, you know what? It's only up here because I can't, I don't have a picture. I'd love to show you guys a picture, but nobody had iPhones back then.
1: That, that's okay. Sometimes those are the best ones.
2: Well, I would like to get a picture of it, but it's gone. It's over.
0: All right, uh, Mr. Poffo, um, um, next thing I want to look at is prior to your brother's passing, he stated in several interviews that he didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame unless it was himself, you, and your dad. That's right. What was your thought process to allow the WWE to induct your brother without
2: you or your dad? Okay, here's what happened. I'm going to, I don't want to go like many years ago, but I'm going to say right before my father died, 11 months before my father died, we're having a, um, we had an argument, Randy and I had an argument. It was like our one millionth argument and I lost again. Okay. I never want an argument with Randy. Can you dig it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He says, okay, it's my father's birthday. He's, uh, just turned. Eighty-four, and uh, he says we got to have a party at the Olive Garden, um, and uh, we got to get Dad in shape so we can go. I said, Randy, please. Dad won't enjoy himself. You know he's he's got dementia. He's all messed up. He's not doing well. You understand? Yeah. He shouldn't absolutely. be out of the house. And he says, blank you, we got to do this for Ted. You know what I mean? I said, okay, I, I heard that for the one millionth time, right? It's like uh, I've lost my one millionth argument to the macho man, right? So anyway, we go there my mom, my dad, my brother, and myself. And um, my dad is not enjoying himself. He's miserable he's uh he can't get comfortable. He doesn't want to be there. You know, nobody's having fun. The birthday boy is you know wants to be in bed. So Randy's trying to cause a conversation and he says, "Can you believe that?" I don't want to do it in his voice because he's going kind to of mess up my ooh, can you believe that? Yeah. Can you believe that they put the Vinerics in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I said, what's the matter with that? He says, Fritz, yes. Kerry, yes. Kevin, yes. David, yes. But not effing Chris. And not Mike. He says, those two guys are in there for your their last names. Not their first names, and uh, and then he says, "Lanny, you sucked, and you're better than Chris." <laughs> but that's that's how he showed his love. I miss that's what I miss most. You know what I mean? <laughs> you suck, and you're better than Chris. So that's funny. So anyway, um, so says if anything happens to me, I want to make sure that the Pafos go in, if the Vaneros can get in, the Paphos can get in to the Hall of Fame. Angelo, Randy, and Lanny, even Lanny, yeah. So um, then he dies, and and Randy had told me like, uh, for that whole year between my father's death and my brother's, you better not put me in the Hall of Fame by myself. You better blah blah blah. You know he's very adamant about it. Mm-hmm. So in twenty eleven, right before, uh, I think it was Miami. You guys would know, right?
1: Yeah, that yeah, sounds about right. Sounds Miami yeah. sounds right.
2: Yeah, I get a call from John Laurinaitis, and he says, "What do you think about putting your brother in the Hall of Fame?" I said, "I have specific orders that the Puffles go in together." And he says, okay, I'll get back with you. But he didn't. So I can tell that didn't get over. Okay? So anyway. <laughs> um, and then I wake up one morning, and it's my 59th birthday. And it hit me. Oh, my God, I'm the older brother. I, You know, he was two years older than me, but I passed him. Right. And it hit me. I said wait a minute, I'm the older brother now. I get to make all the unpopular decisions. <laughs> and then it occurred to me that do you guys like Spock or uh, do you guys follow yes. Star, Star Trek? Trek? Yes. Yes. Okay, who's the biggest fan of Star Trek? Which one?
0: I would say that's probably got to be Ray. Yeah,
2: that's probably yeah. going to be me. Do you go to Comic-Cons?
1: I do not. Uh, well, okay, so I haven't have in a couple of years, I should
2: say. Okay. You haven't in a couple of years, so you did go to a Comic-Con. Uh-huh. Yeah, I,
1: I went to PAX East a few times. Where is that? Uh, PAX East, it's usually on the... Uh, it's in the seaport in Boston at the Boston Expo.
2: PAX East. No, I'm trying to think. They
1: have one... Um, Wait a minute.
2: I was, I was in Massachusetts a little bit ago. Um... Is there a really famous bar that serves great food that you know about? I maybe I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I mean okay, there, forget there it, are forget.
1: fantastic bars that serve great food. Everywhere well, I was in there Boston.
2: at a fantastic did, did you did you is that true? Yes. <laughs> they got a lot of good bars that serve good food? Yes, they do. Oh, I was in one. I, I can't remember the name of it, but you know, um sixty-seven years of you know getting dropped on your head so I'm I'm thinking to myself I'm the older brother now I make the unpopular decisions and Spock said the needs of the many far outweigh the needs of the few or the one and I said I am tired of disappointing the fans you know the fans are the ones suffering Randy wasn't suffering Randy was more famous not being in the Hall of Fame than being in it. Just like Pete Rose, just like Barry Bonds, just like Roger Clemens, right? Yeah. This Everybody knows true. they're more than good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just some technicality of gambling and steroids that kept them out. But you know that nobody's better than Barry Bonds. Come on. You know, if he doesn't be- he deserves his own Hall of Fame. So anyway, I came to see my mom and I said, mom, I've got something to tell you. Uh, I'm gonna put Randy into the hall of fame by himself. You can't do that. That wasn't his wishes. And I said, I was the youngest in the family. Do you know how many times my wishes weren't met because everybody was older? Well, guess what? I've got you outnumbered and I'm the oldest. And uh, so, John, um, Mark Carano calls me up. Did he get fired for some reason? Yes. 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 He Is did. he still fired?
0: Yes. He I hasn't
2: believe been, been,
0: so. Yeah, he hasn't been signed. He, he made a company.
2: snide remark about somebody who got his, uh, they wished him luck on his future endeavors.
0: It was that. And apparently it came out that whenever Mark Carano released anybody, he usually put their stuff in a. Uh, trash bag
1: and then sent that sent it to him i believe
2: yeah well that's a little that's a little rude yeah
1: i think Am the, I right? yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what uh that's yeah, what that... happened and uh that once it caught wind and the internet found out it went right up the ladder and
2: that's a that's a little rude yeah it was not uh the... i mean i've i've been offered my future endeavors before and that's that's not that doesn't sit well with me okay so anyway so my mom says you can't do that don't do that and i said mom the fans are suffering and it's the macho millions of macho fans that made the macho man who he was and gave him the great life that he had for 58 and a half years so I did it against, I said, Mom, I'm going to do it anyway. Do you love me or do you not? She says, I love you, but this is a mistake. I said, no, Randy made the mistake. It was Randy's mistake. Randy did everything for the fans, for the fans, for the fans, and now he's doing something against the fans. The fans are suffering, don't you know? Every year he's not in it because the fans take it seriously. Yeah. You know, and it's uh so I told Mark Carano, and I said, Look, he wants me to go to um New Orleans in twenty fourteen. That was the that was the day that uh the headliner was the ultimate warrior who died right after this speech.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yep. That's that's a remarkable thing, right? That is. Yeah. Yep. And um so I told Mark Carano, and he said, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to tell everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got to tell everybody. And he said, I'll call you back. He calls me back, and he says, Lanny, here's the situation. We only want to do one posthumous Hall of Famer per year. And this year, it's Paul Bearer. So if you can fade, which means shut your mouth, don't, don't announce it, please. Because we want to announce it. We will put him in the Hall of Fame in San Jose, California in 2015. Yeah. And um, I said, okay. And um, I didn't tell anybody. I told my mommy. But she didn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> okay. So... And then um, they select Hulk Hogan to uh, induct induct him and, um, or to give the speech, and then me to accept the uh, Hall of Fame uh, award. And um, I tried to make sure it didn't have any vulgarity, sexuality, political, uh, anything political, anything where you mentioned Vince by name, you know. I knew better than to do that, yeah. and uh, I also was proud of the fact that the speech was only eight minutes long.
1: <laughs> and I think
2: Kimberly Jim is still out there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> or how about, or how about uh, Larry Zabisco? Oh, uh, or how about Bob Backlund?
1: Uh, Mister T's was not. How about Mister T? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's something.
1: There have been some long ones.
2: Yes, they're giving some long ones. Uh, you know, it's uh when you got eighteen speakers, it's a little rude to take too much time and then make the thing go to three in the morning. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, my last uh, Randy question I have for you: Many people may not know this, but your brother did play baseball for a
2: bit. Okay, my brother graduated high school in nineteen seventy one. He was ignored in the free agent draft. He went to St. Louis to go to a tryout for the free agents. At the tryout, there were about 300 people trying out. Only one person got signed, Randy Poffo. And it was on the same day as Keith Hernandez. Oh, wow. Famous St. Louis Cardinal first baseman, also famous New York Mets. Also famous for Seinfeld yes yeah. Jesus. nice going pretty boy you know <laughs> so uh, anyway um, he played two years with the Cardinals he was released he was uh, then he played with the Cincinnati Reds organization never got as far as a ball never got past a ball and then went to the uh, Chicago White Sox where he made it through the first cut second cut third cut and then they cut him as a left-handed first baseman He hurt his right shoulder and taught himself to throw left-handed to make it as a first baseman and uh, They liked it. They said you're you make the throw. Okay, but you look like a girl and You know if you put your if you put the ball in the wrong hand, you're gonna look like a girl when you throw it You know, it's just the way it is so I didn't mean to be sexist or misogynist or go on cancel culture, but you do look funny when you throw them with the wrong hands. Right. But anyway, yeah, he played baseball. And then in 1975, uh, baseball gave him his final insult. And then he starts wrestling for the Sheik in Ohio and Michigan. And he says, he doesn't want to be a wrestler. He wants to get to the top. And uh, ten years later, he's in Madison Square Garden. I think he got the last laugh. What do you think?
0: Oh yeah, most definitely yes. Absolutely.
2: So baseball's lost, wrestling's gained.
0: Exactly. exactly. I mean, there are people who say to this day that your brother's match with uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at WrestleMania three was probably the most technical match that has ever been that's ever happened.
2: It sure was. Um, I just heard. Did you guys hear Ric Flair knocking it because they memorized the match? Yes, I did. Okay, can I say something about that?
0: Yeah, Go absolutely. Right Go
2: right ahead. Absolutely. Yep, listen, I like Ric Flair, I love Ric Flair, he's a great man. Um, I do not want to blaspheme Ric Flair on your show, however. In front of 93,000 people, do you really want to get in a rest hold and say one tackle, drop down, hip toss, arm drag, and then go one tackle, drop down, hip toss, arm drag? Or would you rather memorize it so you don't have to go in a rest hold? You see what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I'd I'd much rather have it memorized so that it flows.
2: But one of the things that disappointed Randy was he was never able to top that match. Just think, let's just be honest, Ricky Steamboat's talent was 50% of that match. And you just can't take anybody and do that. You need two of the greatest of them all at the same moment. And um, I just want to say that in in a time of the Montreal screw job, where selfishness is the situation, Randy put his shoulders down, didn't he? And that's what caused the roof to explode. It's like, all those false finishes, one, two, kick out, one, two, kick out, one, two, cradle, boom. A new champion. See, Randy wanted to jam the roof off the place, and he did. But he did it with unselfishness. Am I right or wrong? Absolutely right. You're you're right. Do you think, okay, you and I wrestle, do you think we can both win? No. No, No. one of us has got to lose, okay? So why don't we just make it the greatest of all time? Why don't we just do our best, you know? And don't, and, you know, this business of I'm not going to lose in Canada. Well, you know what? I hate to say this, but a lot of Calgarians don't even like Quebec. Uh, you know what I mean? And yeah. I believe that he was one of them. Yeah, you know, and uh, they don't. You know, there's a little bit of a family feud going on. Okay, you know that. You know that. You know that's true. I know you, you're Torontonian. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know for sure, so, What's so, that? I know. I know for sure that it's true. Yes. yes. Okay. Say it again. I know, I know for sure that it's true what you're saying, Oh, true. you know that there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of heat between the two. Yes, yes, yes. All <laughs> definitely... uh, right, hey, I'm I'm starting to lose battery power. Um, how much longer have we got? Uh, we
0: can wrap this up if you like.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you have given go, us. Let's let me see. I think I got about ten minutes go, to go. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah, we, we can start wrapping.
2: And this t- you know, tomorrow. Uh, if you go on Facebook, you asked me if I wanted to plug anything. I said no, but they just made a beautiful pro wrestling tease, made a beautiful shirt of me. Okay, and if you go on Facebook, um, Lanny Poffo and Facebook, it's got me in the uh, tuxedo
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, doing the speech for my brother, uh, going against his wishes. But uh, as fans, would you think? Let me ask you guys. Did I do the right thing? Yes or no? Yes. I
1: believe he did the right thing.
2: Absolutely. Okay. And uh, if I meet Randy in the in the great by and by, do you think he'll be mad?
1: Maybe for about five seconds.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, um, the thing is, uh, I tried it his way. I said no, and they didn't. They didn't want to go with it. Now Vince Correct. McMahon does not. Wake up every morning wondering how Lanny Poffo doing. You know he's got his own fish to fry. So if you go on Lanny Poffo Facebook, you know it's got me in the tuxedo. They've also got some other, um, uh, let's call them uh, fake accounts, but it's the one in the tuxedo. And you'll see that on the on the top, pinned to the top, is. Uh, they got the genius pull of glory and renowned t-shirt. Okay. So go on there, buy a shirt. Okay. And, uh, I, I'm really happy. Good artwork. Everything was great. Uh, I wish I could get one, but, uh, tomorrow morning I leave for Liverpool, England. Wow. I'm going to be on for the love of wrestling. It's going to be, I don't know, 50 people. I think the biggest star is, uh, Kurt angle. <laughs> and, uh, A lot of girls are going to be there, a lot of silicone, a lot of... uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a fun time.
2: But why don't you look it up, For the Love of Wrestling, or go on my website, you know what I mean, and uh, check it out. So Um,
1: ProWrestlingTees.com for the Genius T-shirt.
2: Yeah, go on on my Facebook account, and then you click right on it. And then For uh, the Love
1: of Wrestling.
2: Yeah, I'm going to Liverpool, the home of the Beatles. And, Make sure and, you, you know, stop they, into
1: that Beatles museum.
2: They they said they said oh yeah before Randy did, <laughs> <They> did. but, <laughs> but the Beatles long. did it their way, and and Louis Armstrong did it before that. Oh yes, yeah, he absolutely did. So it's it's not who does oh yeah, it's how you do it. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: fantastic. <laughs>
0: I uh, Mr. Popple, before we let you go tonight, I know you had said before you have some Jewish jokes. Um, if you would like to say one on the air.
2: <laughs> That's okay. okay. Um, I got a short Jewish joke and a long Jewish joke. You ready? Sure. Here's the yeah. short one. Here's the short one. Okay. Four Jewish women go to a restaurant and as they're eating the the waiter comes by and says, is anything all right? Is they always bitching, okay? So anyway, uh so, so anyway, here's my here's my best Jewish joke of all time. The um this man, this Jewish man turned 60 years of age, worked his ass off all his life, not a penny for himself, everything for his family, and they took advantage of him. And uh, now he's he's got his 60th birthday. He's rich beyond his wildest dreams. Okay? And he decides, I've never done anything for myself. I'm going to buy myself a present for my 60th birthday in honor of the fact that I have achieved my goals. So he goes to the haberdashery, and he comes out with a beautiful pair of alligator shoes. And he's so happy, he goes to see his wife. Golda! Notice anything different about me? She says, "What different? Same skinny old man I married 30 years ago. No difference. He says, so he goes in the other room and takes off all of his clothes. All of his clothes. Except for the shoes. He says, now Golda. Notice anything different about me? Not different? Same skinny old man I married 30 years ago. The is pointed toward the floor as usual. Golda, mein Schmeckel, is not pointed toward the floor, but instead toward my brand new pair of alligator shoes. And she says, <laughs> you should have bought a hat."
0: <laughs> Ray, you got anything else? <laughs> how many?
2: How many Jewish American princesses? Does it take to change a light bulb? Oh. Two. One to get a Diet Pepsi and the other to call Daddy. Okay. Um, let's see. How can you tell when a Jewish woman achieves orgasm? She drops her nail file. Oh, boy. Okay, let me see. Uh how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Only one. But the light bulb the light bulb has to really want to change.
1: That's a great one to end on. Yes. Oh, you're going to end me?
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mr. Potho, it was I'm, an honor.
2: Oh, thank you. On. I want to say that um, my... My daughter is uh, going to be 38 years old on May 29th. She is such a Beatles fan that she named uh, her two sons, Harrison and Julian. So I'm going to do a little bit of uh, uh, Beatles uh, memorabilia and get her some presents and maybe take some video in Penny Lane or Strawberry Fields or whatever, whatever's the statues or whatever they got. And That's I'm awesome. going to say... Um, um, it's uh, I am very appreciative that a company would uh, fly me from Ecuador to um, to Liverpool to Manchester and then drive to Liverpool. That I still have um, some interest, you know, because I've come here not to work but to retire and to relax. Yeah. But of course, I'm going to be um, it's nice to be wanted, and I just I thank you guys for having me on your show. Uh, You did a great job of asking questions. Um, And um, I'm sorry I missed last week, but I made up for it by being early this week. Sometimes in Ecuador, there's no Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi. Okay. And uh, we all deal with it because um, the weather here is beautiful. It's the land of eternal springtime. It's 48 degrees low, 68 degrees high every day of the year. I, I had a place in Monta, Ecuador, and I rented out as an Airbnb. If any of you guys want to live, uh, want to uh, have a couple of uh, little vacation, I'll get you a discount. Okay, and uh, it's on that. the Pacific Ocean. Thank but um, I live. I, I was there for eight months. Now I'm living in the Andes Mountains, um, and oh. uh, it's uh, it's called Quito, the capital, and uh, I've lost forty pounds in one year. And I'm very, very, I think something's wrong with the food in the States. Um, You know, I'm not, I can't prove it, but I think that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Uh, thank you, men. And uh, I appreciate it. Sorry about last week. I hope I made it up to you.
0: Yes. And you also have an open door. If you'd like to come back on the show again, we'd definitely love to have you on.
2: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a beautiful day.
1: You too, sir. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you very much.
2: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For Lenny Poffo, for Ray, and Costa, I'm John. This has been another installment of the Ryan the Ropes podcast. You can catch us on the flip side. Peace.